Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey Podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the Biblical and Reformed Network. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all of the other ways that you can support us and connect with us. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but the chaff will burn with an unquenchable fire. Well, hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Matt. This is episode number 41 of the Locust and Honey podcast. Join us as we celebrate. What are we celebrating? What are we celebrating? Uh, we are celebrating our annual centennial. <laughs> it is our one year celebration. celebration. And also, it is Reformation Day. So, happy Reformation Day, everybody, and happy one year birthday to the Locust and Honey podcast. Yay. If you uh, were listening to the passage that was read, which we hope that you were, that is what we want to do with this podcast. That's who we are. Uh, we were voice in the wilderness crying, repent for the Lord draws near. Um, but what are you laughing about? Cause I think you, what you, you lost your words. You looked at me like you were just like lost. <laughs> oh shoot. What are we crying <laughs> out we in the wilderness, about, Andrew? What are we doing out here? <laughs> <laughs> this honey and locust, man. What's going on? So we've, we've determined that, uh, <laughs> since we are the locusts and honey, um, you're sweet, like honey. That's right. And I'm the crunchy locust. <laughs> right? That's what we just, that's what we said. Yeah, I'm granola yeah. and crunchy. 
I'm like the I'm like the uh, chocolate chips that are in your granola bar. Yeah. There we go. So, if you've been here it's for a year, for you. if you if you <laughs> and it's got the nutrients, <laughs> yeah. If you've been here for a year, we appreciate you guys. Uh, we appreciate you just listening. Uh, if you've shared any of our podcasts with people, we appreciate that. Um, just kind of to recap before we kick the question cast off today. We started this podcast with the hopes of recording conversations that we've been having. And when I look back on the past year uh, at what we've accomplished, uh, it really, it's it's been exactly what I wanted it to be. Actually, we've probably done more than I was hoping to accomplish. We've had some uh, guests that have been on the show that um, I've been really excited to have on here. And um, so, yeah, I just, uh, I, I'm happy with how the Lord's been uh, allowing us to do this. And I look forward to continuing to do this. Um, what are your reflections, Andrew? Well, um, I think that just for me personally, the podcast has really, um, made me explore things and dig into things that I may not have, uh, otherwise. Um, and really think about them and think through them to a certain, to the extent that we are able to talk about them. And in some cases, you know, explain them. Um, yeah, I think that it's been cool to see how, uh, we've been able to, particularly with people who are in our lives, um, just, spur up these conversations with them because really that was, that was one of the big things that we wanted to do. Right. I mean, we wanted to do a lot, like we we're doing this for a a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons was so that conversations could be started. Yeah. And, um, or if people asked us questions, we could say, Hey, we've actually done an in-depth talk on that. Yeah. Check out this episode. Cause we would like, there are times we'd stand in the church parking lot, you know, after Mm -hmm. church or something and talk about things like this with people, Maybe people in our church or maybe, uh, well, I mean, I guess it would be. In the church parking lot. In the lot. church parking lot, Mainly it would be people, people in, our, in church. our church. Yeah. But in other hey, parking maybe lots. Maybe in the po- parking lot of my church. That's so right. can answer that question. But in other parking lots, we would talk to other people. That is true. About this stuff. In Starbucks parking lots, and we would talk to Starbucks people. That's right. That's right. Uh, and uh, it's, I don't know. It's good to be, because it's hard to, you know, sometimes it's hard to, flesh stuff out like that in yeah. a setting like that to the extent that it needs to be in order to be truly explained to a person or, um, but yeah, so it's been good. It's been helpful. It's been useful and it's been a joy to do. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, um, like I was saying, when we started this, we have no hopes or desires of this being an income for us. We have no, you know, we're, we're not trying to be professional podcasters. We're both in ministry and feel like that is where the Lord has called us and where we want to be. Um, we just do this for fun, uh, for our posterity. We are famous in Ireland, though. Well, hold on. Okay. Let's, let's get okay. the horse okay. before the cart. I'm just excited about the um, cart. That's big news. So... <laughs> but but that's that's been our hopes. That's been, you know, I think when I looked at when we started this, we've accomplished everything that I've hoped to accomplish at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we've accomplished more. 
you know, we're part of the bar network, which I'm super excited about. Um, I love all of the people uh, that are a part of the bar network. And so uh, I'm thankful for them and, um, just like-minded people, Dwayne specifically, uh, Dwayne is the one he created the bar podcast, biblical and reform podcast and put together the bar network. And, uh, so I'm just, I'm thankful for him and what he's doing and how the Lord's been using him. Um, the, the guests that have been on, like I said, thankful for all of them. But, um, what's been cool to see is, so like in Nebraska, there's a, a group of guys that are consistently listening to us in Nebraska. And so, uh, I just want to, want to thank them and give them a shout out. Um, we, we appreciate you guys and, and, and how you've been listening, how you've sent us some questions and, uh, all of that. Uh, my buddy Aaron from high school, um, he, he lives out there now. He's got a, a podcast called Manhood Neat, and it's a bunch of guys that just sit around and, and discuss a bunch of different stuff uh, about God's word and culture and all of that, too. So, um, but then we've had people from Oklahoma that have reached out and said, hey, I, I really enjoyed listening. Uh, you know, people in Georgia, where we are, uh, people all around the world. But like, I get so. I get the analytics of our podcast and it'll be like, Hey, you had one listener from China, one listener from, mm. you know, Brazil. One li- and I'm like, those are just bots. You know yeah. what I mean? But let <laughs> me tell you. So Andrew <laughs> has, uh, spoiled it, the surprise, yeah. but I, I just want to let you know that we are officially ranked 160th. <laughs> And the Apple Podcast charts for Christianity and religion in Ireland. <laughs> so, to all my Irish people, uh, every single the, one of them, the, <laughs> every every one, one, every one or two of them, four <laughs> that are uh, consuming the Locust Honey Podcast. We appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so we're ranked 160th in the iTunes chart mm-hmm. for spirituality and, or Christianity and religion in the country of Ireland. So nice. that's awesome. It is. It really is. It is. About it. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. So, all right. Well, let's uh, kick off the question cast today. Do you want to affirm and deny them before we do? Um, or do you just want to get into what I'll affirm? Minds? I'll affirm the podcast. That'll right. be my affirmation, and yeah. then we won't do any denial. I won't do a denial today. This is a we're happy not gonna be day. negative. Yeah, today's yeah. a celebration. So I would affirm Reformation Day. Well, good. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's good. Out of darkness, light. It is. So, um, sola, all of the solas. I would affirm. I would affirm those too. All five. All five. All right. Well, today, what we wanted to do for you guys is give you an opportunity to ask us questions. And we actually got a, a good bit of questions. So uh, for those of you that sent us your questions in, we appreciate you taking the time to do that. Um, so let's just let's just start chopping. All right. We'll, we'll start with the first one and work our way through and, and see how far we get today. All right. Question number one. This question came from listener Nick. Hmm. Listener Nick, thank you for sending us your question. 
He said, how do I know that I am really saved? All right. That was a deep breath you took. Yeah. All with my nose, too. That's true. Right in the microphone, too. <laughs> um, oh, man. Now I messed up. Okay. All right. Let's answer Nick's question. You want to go first? Sure. Okay. So, how do I know that I am really saved? Well. Well, how do I know? How do... <laughs> how do I know that I am saved? Well, no. How do I know that I am really saved? Okay. So, right. how does Nick know? How does Nick know that Nick is saved? That Nick is saved. Okay. Or how does one know? How does one know? That one is saved. Well, uh, Scripture says that um, you will know them by their fruits. Jesus talks about that when he's talking about false prophets, but he also um, is talking about that when he's talking about individuals. You will know them by their fruits. I would say, are you keep bearing fruit, kind of like what we just read, are you keep bearing fruit in keeping with repentance? Okay. Um, if you are, then what else do we read in Scripture? Well, we read in uh, Romans chapter 1 that um, the heart of the unbeliever is hostile to God. The heart of the unbeliever is their inventors of evil. We read Romans chapter 3 that um, when Paul is saying that... <clears throat> Sorry, my mind just went blank of what it says. But when Paul is saying that no one desires God, no one desires to do God's will, who is not safe. So I would say, how do I know that I I'm that's saved? Romans 1. Is it Romans but, 1 in there? Yeah. Okay, okay. So um, <clears throat> I don't know that I'm saved. Well, if I'm bearing fruit and keeping with repentance, I would say that's the first place to look. Yeah, um, and I think we kind of talked about this in our last episode, but like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did because I, I'm still blanking on the scientific name for a person that <laughs> studies trees. <laughs> it's a uh, a treeologist. See, I said that last time too. And everybody's like, Matt, you're an idiot. Treeologist. It's a herbentologist. <laughs> I don't know what it is. We need to look that up. We probably should have done that before the episode. Yeah. Uh, but because I am not one of those guys, I can look at an apple growing on a tree and say, hey, that's an apple tree. And how do I know that? Well, because it produced apples. So if it's got pecans, which is how you pronounce that, um, it it's not pecan, it's pecan. Um, but if I look at a pecan tree, I can mainly know that it's a pecan tree because of the fruit that it produces. So... Um, how do I know that I'm really saved? Because I am producing fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, mercy, self-control, all of those things, as opposed to producing the fruit of the flesh, which is a lot. But um, envy, murder, strife, uh, covetousness, idolatry, um, disrespect of parents, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah. Nick, if you are producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you can know that you are truly saved. That's right. Also in 1 John it says, how do I know that I'm in Christ? Because you obey His commandments. Mm. So part of the fruit of the Spirit is works, producing works of the Spirit that He's doing in you. Uh, so if you are following Christ, um, 
you can know that that desire is not of yourself. Like what you were talking about in Romans one, uh, uh, we have a desire to serve self and love self. So if we're following Christ, um, and we are obeying him, then we can see that he has given us a new heart to do so. Um, last bit, uh, a, uh, dendrology or it's not dendrology. Exilology. Xylology, that's what it is. Xylology is the study of woody plants. Huh. That's what it says on on. Well, we'll just go with botany, a botanist. Botany is the scientific study of plants, how they function, what they look like. Ah, a botanist. A botanist. Yep. They know what plants look like. They're super smart that way. Not me. All right. I'm glad we got that settled. Yep. All right. So uh, we got a follow-up question, uh, or at least a similar question. And this comes from Aaron, uh, which is one of the hosts of the Manhood Neat podcast. But uh, Aaron said, how do we balance assurance of salvation with faith without works is dead? So how do we balance assurance of salvation with when Scripture says faith without works is dead? I'm going to let you take a stab at that again. Okay. Because you Um, did so well. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to go to, sorry, I'm flipping in my Bible. I'm going to go to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ooh. Go there. So... I'm going there. <laughs> okay, so in Ezekiel chapter 36, um, is where Ezekiel is prophesying, and he's saying, um, he, God is saying through him, I will put my spirit within you. So that's where that pa- that passage comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says... Uh, In verse 22, it says, Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. And then verse 24 is what it says. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to work, to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So we see in Ezekiel chapter 36, what's being foreshadowed here is uh, is a believer going from death to life, right? So um, a heart of stone being turned into a heart of flesh by God. He puts his spirit, the Holy Spirit within us, which causes us to walk in his statutes and obey his commands. And so it's not us that are keep that's keeping that, rather the obeying, so 
faith without works being dead, for example, what that's talking about is the fruits of the new spirit being put within you is the fact that you will begin to obey the words of the Lord, because that's what it says here in Ezekiel 36. The spirit will cause you to obey. Now, um, as far as assurance of salvation goes, what we would believe is that um, the elect, those who are saved, are given to the Son by the Father. And we read in John chapter 6 that Jesus says that I will not lose one that the Father has given me. And so we can be assured that we are um, not going to be lost, uh, but also it comes down to ultimately we didn't earn our salvation to begin with. And so we can't lose what we didn't earn. It was a, It's a free gift from God. So we can't lose it. Um, so I would say we, we can be assured in our salvation. These two things can be true at once. We can be assured in our salvation to the point that we don't lose it, but also we know that faith without works is dead because that is the fruit of a new heart, um, a heart of stone going to become, becoming a heart of flesh. So, yeah. And so, uh, I'm going to go two completely different passages, um, because I think what a lot of times what people do when they see faith without works is dead. Um, so I'm going to go to James chapter two, uh, and I'm going to read verses. Well, really in James chapter two, you've got verses, uh, 14 through 26, but, um, starting in verse 14, it says, but some will say I have no starting verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things that they need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But if someone says, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works." You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe, and they tremble. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with, with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. He was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So, uh, I'll keep reading. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So when James says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone, uh, a question that arises and really, so like if you're about, if you're balancing your assurance of salvation with faith without works is dead, uh, it can lead to the question of, are my works saving me? You know what I mean? Like, um, if faith without works is dead, then am I saved by faith alone or am I saved by works? So when he says, this, you see a person is justified by works and not by faith alone, 
the question that arises is, is James contradicting um, Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9? Because what Paul says is, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. This is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. And so do those two contradict? Does Scripture contradict? Um, do James and Paul disagree on salvation and how we are saved and how we are justified, right? Because Paul would say that, uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. So, um, but then James is saying, is he saying the opposite? Uh, and I would argue no. He's yeah. not saying the opposite. Uh, so what what I would say to all of this and, and how it kind of ties in to the question was, um, when you look at these things, uh, there's, there's not this dichotomy between faith and works, but uh, Paul and James would both agree that the basis of salvation is grace alone, through faith alone, with works not as the basis, but the necessary result. And the reason I would say that is because when you go back to Romans, uh, or sorry, Oh, man, I'm losing all kinds of places in my Bible. But uh, when you go back to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, 8 and 9, verses 8 and 9 is what I read, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, uh, well, so I'll go back. We'll start in verse 8 again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. This is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. And now verse 10, which is tying the two together. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And, and so uh, the answer to these questions, which ties into the first question, uh, how do I know that I'm really saved? How do we balance assurance of salvation with faith and works, uh, with faith without works is dead? Uh, you know, people always say, if saved, always saved. Um, but really, or once saved, always saved, mm. man, I ruined it. <laughs> once saved, always saved is what's, uh, what everybody always says. But I would say the more biblical, um, saying would be if saved, always saved. If you've truly been saved, you will always be saved. Be Sorry, I got to put this up here so you don't hear my springs clacking. But if you've been saved, you will always be saved. Just like what you said. If I don't earn my salvation, I can't lose my salvation. But a byproduct of saving faith is works. Mm -hmm. um, so if Christ has saved me, if he's taken my heart of stone and given me a heart of flesh, if he's made me a new creation, I will be a new creation. If I'm still walking around like a spiritual zombie, then I've not been made new. Um, the way that I know that you're not a zombie right now is because you're alive and you're not trying to eat my brains, right? So if you were dead and trying to eat my brains, then I'd be like, huh, Andrew's a zombie. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so your actions show the truth of who you are, you know? And just like if I've been made a new creation by Christ, which is what salvation is, um, then my actions will show the truth of where my heart is. If my heart is a heart of flesh, I'm going to produce the fruit of the flesh. If my heart has been made a new living heart of the Spirit, then I will produce the works of the Spirit. What I do is a byproduct of who I am. And uh, and so that would be kind of how I would answer those questions. But 
Uh, Aaron, I hope that helps. Nick, I hope that helps. And uh, Aaron had a follow-up question for us. So the question is this, and, and it better be good. So Aaron went to Emory-Riddle, which is like where all the super smart people that want to be in the Air Force go. Like not just the people that go in the Air Force, but like all the crazy smart guys mm. that are going in the Air Force or they're going to be pilots or like come up with new UFO-type planes. They all go to Emory-Riddle. So Aaron asks this, what is your call sign and why? So a couple episodes back, maybe like five episodes, ten episodes back, we were talking about call signs. And you gave your call sign, but I don't think I came up with a call sign. Mm -mm. So what, and by call sign, what we mean is I, I had just watched the new Top Gun. Yeah. Right? Everybody goes by their call sign. So right. what was your pilot call sign? Beans. Beans. It was yes. Beans. So uh, why would easy. why would you be beans? Because it's e if you're in the middle of action, you're in the middle of a battle, dogfight. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, beans is something easy to say. You don't have to. It's not like Maverick. It's two syllables. Beans right. is just one syllable. Beans. Yeah. And I'm like, what? You right. know what I mean? Like you can just quickly spout it off. Yeah. Uh, it's not. So I'm like beans. Watch your six. Right. It's not easy to get lost in translation. Uh-huh. Um, it's just a very practical call sign, Beans. But Beans sounds a lot like jeans. Well, I just hope nobody's is jeans. Right. Or anything of the like. Right. Yeah. So, like, Beans is down. <laughs> Good. Somebody'd be like, somebody's jeans is down? <laughs> what? Beans is down. <laughs> We digress. All right, so as to not skip this question a second time, uh, I, I would I would have you lost beans. <laughs> you lost your beans. Oh no! Uh, okay. So I, I I'm torn between one of two. Um, so I I watched uh, a show. I don't remember what it was. I don't know. Uh, maybe like I don't know. It was a military show, but. It was a, it was either a CAG group or like Dev Grew. So like either SEAL Team Six or um, CAG in the the Army, which is like their tier one unit. They had one of the guys. His call sign was Preach. He was like the Christian guy in the group. Yeah, and always would bring up religious stuff. They called him Preach. Uh, so I have a patch on my body armor that says preach as like a name tag. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that. Uh, so like preach would be an option. Yeah. The other just for, because it's super cool is hydro. Hydro. Yeah. All right. But I don't feel like a hydro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I feel like if your name's hydro, I don't know. Maybe if I was a Navy pilot, I would go by hydro. Yeah. Yeah. If you're hydro, you feel like you got to be fast. Well, I mean, yeah. Quick. I'd be flying a... Well, yeah. F-22 or like a F-35. Is that the new one? F-35? I have no idea. Beans. Probably. Come Beans. on now. What are you flying? Yeah. Like a C-130? <laughs> C-5? I'm flying... I'm flying... Dropping his beans. I'm, yeah, I'm beans because I'm flying what looks like a can of beans and I'm dropping beans. Out all of right. Me. So you're like a... Yeah. All right. I mean, you could fly it. Uh, you could fly an F-16 and drop bombs. 
if you wanted to. That'd be sick. Yeah. The bombs are beans. Yeah. But they're like beans hot beans. Dropping hot beans. <laughs> <laughs> so your call sign would be hot beans. There you go. Even okay. better. Hot beans. So if I'm in the if I'm in the Navy as a pilot, so like F eighteen, F thirty fives, twenty twos, I'm going with hydro. Mm-hmm. But like if I'm like a helicopter pilot, <laughs> not to take away. So like they're pretty cool. Uh, like one sixtieth. Shout out to you guys. Um, I, I'm probably just gonna go with preach. Cool. Yeah. All right. I feel like we spent way too much time on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next uh, it comes from Brett. It's a pretty quick question that we're gonna just skim right through. Um, Brett, shout out to you, man. Thanks for your question. So. Uh, a couple episodes back, one or two episodes back, in the affirmations and denials, I denied this new Thomistic movement, which spurs Brett's question. Mm. Brett says, with regards to Thomas, meaning Sir Thomas Aquinas, with regards to Thomas, theology interacts with philosophy at some level. And in order to be faithful to Scripture, we must say more than Scripture. For instance, we affirm God is one in essence and three in person. The Bible does not give us that terminology. The church fathers use those terms borrowed from Neoplatonic metaphysical thought to articulate what the Bible teaches. So in that way, we must do some level of metaphysics. The question is this. Is it good, true, and faithful to Scripture? I would love to hear your thoughts, and I love listening to the Locust and Honey podcast. So, well, we appreciate that, Brett. Uh, thank you for the question, too. Um, so, what I was affirming and denying, which I we didn't go deep into that because it was just a, a quick affirmation and denial. First of all, um, I'm not hating on Thomas Aquinas. Uh, I think... Thomas Aquinas was an incredibly smart guy. In fact, Judah, my youngest son, his middle name is Thomas, Judah Thomas. Um, but so I I think Thomas was very smart, uh, and and I'm not denying all of that. But um, the 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 issues that I have with Thomas Aquinas are more. Um, and his thought uh, along the lines of culture, social, and political uh, reform. And um, I, I think – so ch- just to kind of work through this, to catch everybody up on, on where we're at in this discussion, there is this neo-Thomistic rise in uh, – and, and where that's coming from is uh, it's, it's Christianity and culture – in politics and economics, like in those areas, you're seeing, especially within the Reformed Church, this uh, neo-Thomistic, which means Thomism is like people who are pulling from Aquinas, uh, but neo's new. There you go. <laughs> but uh, you're seeing this rise in in the area of Christianity and culture, politics, and economics, um, and so distinctly Christian. What I would hold to and see a need for is there's this there's this need for a distinctly Christian view of everything that is rooted in 
Christ's lordship and his revelation in the Bible. Um, so when we're looking at culture and all of the things that that entails, you know, uh, whether it's entertainment, whether it's music, whether it's um, politics, whether it's economics, whether it's, you know, all of this stuff, um, how does Christianity fit in with that? How should I have a, a Christian understanding of culture? How should I have a Christian understanding of uh, what's going on in the medical field or abortion or LGBTQ plus issues or um, vaccines or all of this stuff that goes on on a day-to-day basis of things that we're thinking through and wrestling through. And so, uh, Brett, I would absolutely agree with your your assessment and statement of um, we're, we're going to pull from philosophy on some things, right? Uh, but it's not really pulling from philosophy because philosophy is basically at the heart of it. How do we know what we know to, to be true, you know? Um, and, and, and so – when, when we're looking at philosophy, I'm not saying that, uh, my, my main knock with, with Thomas is, um, that, that he was, um, talking about Aristotle or things that Aristotle talked about. Um, there, I, you know, with, with the Trinity and all of that, that he talked about, um, I, I would agree with that. So you got like this Neoplatonic, which is Plato, um, the metaphysical thought to articulate what the Bible teaches. Um, but so what's happened though, is, um, there needs to be, like I said, this distinctly Christian view of everything that is rooted in Christ's Lordship and his revelation in the Bible. Um, but the neo Thomistic rise is a pushback to that. It's a pushback against a traditional reformed response that emerged specifically through the Dutch Reformation. So I would lean more as like a Kuyperian reformed guy. Uh, So you got Abraham Kuyper. uh, You've got, uh, uh, what's his name? Ermin Voyerberg. You've got Cornelius Van Til. You've got R.J. Rush Dooney. Uh, You've got Greg Bonson. You know, this is kind of that lineage of, what I'm talking about. And, um, these guys thought along the lines of social and political and cultural life in a, in a reformational way. Uh, the Thomistic understanding and this Neo Thomism is, is more classical response to the culture. Uh, so they're hanging more on the principles of the common good, natural reason, natural law, that kind of thing. Um, and so, like, with Thomas Aquinas, um, so some good things about him. Thomas Aquinas was concerned with Christian culture. That was the thing that he was he was concerned with, and, and that's great. He was also concerned with the authority of God um, and, and, and the idea that God is in authority, you know? So um, he's—I'm not saying he's a non-believer. I, he was incredibly smart— uh, and, and he, he taught a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of, you know, he articulated a lot of things really well and all of that stuff. But, uh, but what I am arguing is that he had mistakes in his apologetics in his natural theology and his social and politi- political theory. That, that would be the areas that, that I would disagree. Um, and so, um, 
but what you've got to understand too in this conversation is Aquinas was charged by the church in Rome. He was, you know, a, a part of the Catholic church. Um, but Aquinas was charged not to take a look at God's word and ask, is there such a thing here as a distinct and integrated Christian work in life and a view rooted in the the teaching about creation and redemption? That's not what he was asked to do. What he was charged to do was to justify Aristotle and use his resources uh, to a Christian end. So what you had during the age of Thomas Aquinas is um, the the Muslims were taking control of a whole bunch of land and all of that stuff. And uh, a part of that um, with like Constantinople and all that is they, they found all of Aristotle's, his full work. Um, and, and so they started taking Aristotle's thought uh, and, and what Aristotle thought about culture, what he thought about economics, what he thought about life, what he thought about, you know, natural law and all of that stuff. And they started uh, adapting Islam to, a, um, not Aquinas, but um, Aristotle's teaching, you know. And so then they had this this robust philosophical understanding of um, is Islam, you know, Muslim thought. And um, so what the, the Catholic Church did was they said, man, we need that for Christian thought. You know, mm-hmm. we need to take a or we need to take Aristotle and what he's taught about natural law and all of these things that I've been talking about. You know, um, we we need to take his uh, natural theology, his social and political theory, all of those things, um, and and we need to Christianize it so that we can combat what Islam's doing and what the pagans, like the lost philosophers and all of that, uh, we need to make this Christian so that we ha- can have this this Christian, you know, um, thought and understanding. Um, that was his charge. And uh, he didn't come at it, like I said, he didn't come at it looking at God's word and asking, is there such a thing here as a distinct and integrated Christian work on life uh, viewed and rooted in the teachings of creation and redemption. You know, he came at it from what does Aristotle say? Let me take Aristotle's stuff and let me make it Christian. Um, let me, let me adapt the two. Mm-hmm. That was my denial. Um, so Brett, I know threw a lot in there real quick, but I hope that that helps. Um, so yeah, I would be, uh, Somebody that I would I would really encourage you to read is Abraham Kuyper. Um, Abraham Kuyper was the first prime minister of the Netherlands, um, but he was also a theologian. He was also uh, he created his own political party. Um, he also founded his own denomination. Um, he did a bunch of stuff, um, and and Kuyper wrote a bunch of different books um, on. God and politics or God and, you know, all these different areas and facets of, of life and culture. Um, and, and, and so, um, yeah, any of those guys that I named, I, I would check out their stuff. Cause that's kind of the vein that I would, I would fall into more, 
is the Kuipers and uh, Van Tills and Rush Dooney's and Greg Bonson and all of that. And so then I would also likewise adopt um, more of that understanding of apologetics as well. Um, now there are other people that have more of a Thomistic understanding of apologetics, uh, like which would be RC more evidence based. Um, yeah, and so I mean, we can really get into that more later too. Yeah, but it's more of this classical, yeah. you know. Um, it's like RC Sproul, who I I love RC Sproul. Um, but he would be in more of the Thomistic vein. Mm. Um, it, it's more. Uh, of this proving this to be true, right. you know? Um, so yeah, but we can, we can get into that, um, more down the road, but Brett, uh, I hope that this kind of helped you better understand where I'm coming from. And I know it's not, maybe it can spark a, a better conversation. We might have to do, um, an episode or one thing that I would recommend though, um, Joe boot with the, um, Ezra Institutes. Um, what's their podcast? Uh, their podcast is called uh, Ezra. Uh, what is it? Um, it comes on mine. It's just Ezra Institutes. Yeah, Ezra Institutes. Uh, Ezra Institutes podcast for cultural reformation. Uh, but I think he's got like a three part series, four part series on Thomas Aquinas specifically that he's doing. So if you want to delve into the the idea of all of this stuff that would be uh, a, a good place to go so brett thanks for your question man thanks for listening and all right next question this comes from uh terry terry thank you for listening <laughs> why are you laughing at terry because that's we know her well oh you're <laughs> gonna say that's my mommy yeah all right so terry's got a question why do some non-believers have a seemingly easier and happier life while others who are believers have harder lives? Where is God in this? Great question, Terry. Yes. Andrew. Yes. You want to answer this for Terry? Okay. Um, well, we read, I believe, in the book of Psalms. Um, our God is in the heavens and he does as he pleases. Right, so God is completely sovereign over all things. He's sovereign over living the living. He's sovereign over the dead. He is sovereign over every single event that occurs. He decrees the end from the beginning. Um, and so, really, what it comes down to is, um, who are we to question what God does? Right. Um, he ha he does what he pleases. He is sovereign over all. He's the one who creates circumstances. He's the one who does all of this stuff. We as as created beings cannot question um, his authority and and act as if you know. Well, if we were if we were God, then we'd do it this way, you know. Because I think you we're can not. question his authority as long as you listen to his answer. That's right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so. Uh, I would say that ultimately the Christian walk, what, what separates in, if that is with that being the case, then all of a sudden you're in a situation where, all right, if someone is a non-believer, whether they are good things or bad things that happen to them, 
ultimately, it's not their own doing that caused those things. It's the will of God that caused those things. And really, those are still temporal material things. When you're talking about eternity, um, you know, um, like what we read in Scripture, what good is it for a man to uh, gain the world but lose his soul, right? So ultimately, when we sing like, it is well with my soul, for example, the reason why we can say whatever my lot thou has taught me to say it is well with my soul is because our soul is secured for eternity. Our soul, um, we have been given everlasting life. Our reward is the love of God, right? Yeah. Um, and so when you think about what is the good life, well, the good life is walking with Christ. That is our ultimate desire that is our ultimate treasure and the lost person no matter how good their temporal life may be is still lost and doesn't have that right um and so that's kind of where i would go with that question yeah. why you so know. like what i would do is the first question that i would ask is why are we assuming that a harder life is not a better life yeah you know mm-hmm. so like I, I and i would go to hebrews 12 we read this recently but Consider him who endured. No. Um, yeah. Consider him who endured for, from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, have you not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood? And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My sons, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of the spirit and live for the, dis, uh, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness for the moment. All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so, uh, like, the way that I would respond to that is we are assuming because of having a cultural worldview that the easy life or the life without trials or the life of wealth or the life of comfort or the life of plenty is the better life. But all throughout Scripture, it tells us that that as God's people, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be trials to count them as joy, to understand that when God is disciplining us, um, he's doing that for our eternal good, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if you have somebody who has cancer, that's a follower of Christ, and that causes them to grow closer to him, God is giving them a blessing of eternity with him, you know? Whereas if you've got somebody who's like a celebrity that has everything this world has to offer, and we're like, man, they have it, they have it made. And then you see they, they shoot themselves 
because they're miserable mm-hmm. and then they spend all of eternity in hell really why is why are we saying that's the better life right you know what i mean they're not being disciplined because they're bastard children they're not god's children you mm-hmm. know and so if we look at that and desire that then we need discipline you know what i mean right. so like part of being god's children is we desire to be ordered and structured by our parent, you know? So mm-hmm. one of the 10 commandments is honor your mother and father, you know? Uh, and the reason for that is, is a biblical understanding that I honor my parents and submit to their Lord, their authority over me, because ultimately as a Christian, I'm submitting to the authority of God, the father over me. And as his son, because he loves me, he's going to discipline me. And I should delight in that and take joy in being disciplined because that is for my salvation. And that is good. The people that aren't being disciplined, that can do whatever they want and have no regret or no remorse, or the people that aren't suffering in another country that are getting martyred for their faith and all of that stuff, they also are complacent and lazy and fat and happy and content with themselves and saying, look where I've got myself. Mm-hmm. Look at the rich young man, you know, look at the, the, the poor lady versus, you know what I mean? Like there's right. tons of examples in scripture where just because we have a lot of stuff going good for us on this earth doesn't mean that's the best life for us. Right. Um, in fact, anytime God's people go through all these trials is when they're the closest to him in scripture. And so that's why we delight in trials because God's using those things to perfect us and sanctify us and discipline us, you know, but we should love that and desire that and not look at that as a bad thing. So when we say, where is God in this? He's all over it, mm-hmm. you know, like, and we should thank him for that. Right. Um, so, I mean, you can look at our country, you know, when we are, at war, you've got these people that are willing to fight and die for our country. And then we go through times of peace and prosperity and we all get soft and weak and become, you know, a target, mm-hmm. you know, cause now you, you know, you've got people that are only joining the military because they want college or they want, you know, this or that for themselves. What can I get as opposed to what can I do for my country? Mm-hmm. So that's like a, a, an example of kind of what I'm talking about, you know? Yeah. Um, but when you go through trials and when you go through all these things, it makes you tougher. It makes you stronger, which ultimately brings peace and prosperity and happiness, yeah. you know? So, um, uh, yeah. So, Terry, I would say um, the non-believers that are going through that, I, I would say that's the curse on them. And they're happy and content in that. They're the frog that's slowly being heated in the pot until it starts to boil and they didn't never, they never even noticed. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, so that's my answer. All right, next question. In Mark 16, verse 18, um, it says, verse 18 seems different than anything else that Jesus talked about. Is this where some of the extreme cults got the idea to drink the Kool-Aid and to handle snakes? So I'm going to start on this one, okay. if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, let's go to Mark. So this is the extended version of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 16. Uh, so they, this is a textual variant is what this is called. And there are several textual variants in scripture, but in John, um, you have one and then Mark 16, you have the, the other of the long textual variants. There's two, 
that are long. Most textual variants are like one word here and there, um, where there's a, a, a variation from different texts. But in Mark, um, this is one of the longer ones. And uh, so, like I was saying, what a textual variant is, is uh, you've got different manuscripts, and some have this in there and some don't. With Mark, though, what's interesting is um, there's several variations of the variant. So, uh, yeah. So, like in my Bible, uh, what it will say when I get to Mark 16, starting in verse 9, it says some of the early manuscripts do not include Mark 16, 9 through 20. Um, and so it's letting you know I'm I'm reading a textual variant. Um, so what that is, like I said, uh, you've got some, you've got manuscripts that people have. They've got the Bible. They're you know they're they're uh, pulling from the original manuscripts. They're making these these Bibles, um, and they're giving them out to people and all of that stuff. But then they find older manuscripts of the same passage and they don't see this in there, you know? Um, so it, it, it ended at the, after verse eight. Um, and so then they're like, okay, well, was this in the original text or was this not in the original text? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and so that's what they're trying to figure out is, was this written in the original text or was it not? Uh, and, and most textual variants, that's kind of what you do. You, you go back to the earlier texts and see what's in there. Um, so the argument today is not our textual variants in the original text or not. Mm -hmm. Um, there's some people would say, you know, there was a bunch of churches in a bunch of parts of the world that had this exact variant. Um, then some people would say that with Mark specifically, that this textual variant, there are some texts that have some of this extra in there uh, where they've kind of abbreviated some of this stuff. And uh, and so the argument there would be, if this was actually in the original text, why would there be need to abbreviate all of this? And so right. some people would say this, you know, this is not part of the original text. And then they would also say, you know, that would be a reason. Another reason would be the 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 style, the syntax, the the grammar you use, all that stuff is different in this part of Mark than the rest of Mark. Um, and then some other people would say, theologically, we get things that are being brought up here that we don't have support for elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, Terry, I would say... Um, is this where some of the extreme cults got the idea to drink Kool-Aid and handle snakes? Now, me, myself, um, I love me some Kool-Aid. Yeah. But I don't think that's the kind of Kool-Aid she's talking about. No, I don't think so either. I think she's talking about drinking the poison. The deadly poison. And handling serpents. At verse 18. Uh, yes, but absolutely. This is, um, especially like the snake handling churches where they're, mm -hmm. you know, they go show up to church and then they throw the rattlesnakes in the middle and they're like, if you handle these and you don't die, then, you know, woohoo. Yeah. Um, but yes, that is. And so what I would say is I would not come up with any major theological premise or doctrine based off of a textual variant. 
Um, uh, can you read it? Yes. Um, is it part of the original text? Maybe. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Right. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. You know, go to the youth and throw a bunch of rattlesnakes in there and be like, "All right, if they bite you and you die, you're not a Christian." You know, yeah. uh, or here, drink this poison, and if you die, you weren't of the well, faith. Mm. So that would be my answer there. All right. Uh, is this the last question? Yes, it is. Oh, wow. All right, last question of the day. Here we go. Revelation twenty two nineteen. The question says, uh, Revelation twenty two nineteen seems to indicate that we can lose our salvation. What does it actually mean, or is it just a severe warning? This can't be someone who is not truly saved because they would have never had a share in the tree of life to begin with. So, um, going to Revelation twenty two nineteen, what it says, are you there? You want to read it? Yeah. So, um, do you want me to start at 19? You want me to st- eight? The sentence begins at 18. Do you want me to read that too? You're just 19. Well, you can read 19 first because that's where the question okay. is. And then we can... So 19, it says, And if anyone takes away from the words of the of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Yeah. So then the question says that this seems to indicate that we can lose our salvation. Uh, what does it actually mean? Um, this can't be someone who is not truly saved because they would have never had a share in the tree of life to begin with. So, Andrew, what you think, man? Well, I'll go um, back to what you said, which is yeah. what I wrote down. If you can't earn it, you can't lose it. Right. That would be my answer. But yeah. I would explain it differently. Um, yeah. Um, well, if we read, uh, starting at verse 18, it says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to the add to him the plagues described in this book. And if any, and then verse nineteen, if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share uh, in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. So we've got a warning about not only taking away the words uh, from uh, the book of this prophecy, speaking of the book of Revelation. Um, but also those who um, add words to them. Um, now, this is something that is in Scripture in other parts of Scripture um, where I, I've got it in my, actually, I've got it in my um, my commentary notes down here in my Bible where Moses warns against adding to or subtracting from the Lord's commands in Deuteronomy 4, 2 and 12, 32. Um, so, <laughs> preach. So, we don't want to... <laughs> we didn't, see, now you got you to throw out a random call sign there, too. <laughs> well, no, because we're talking about God's Word. Yeah. Okay, so... Go ahead, Beans. Thanks. So, we don't want to add or take away from God's word. 
because... <laughs> okay, give me a second. Give me a second. Let me compose myself again. I'm the one who's losing it here. We don't want to... <laughs> I really hope that everyone just heard uh, Preach over here spit his coffee back into his cup because uh, he was laughing so hard. All right, so we're talking about God's Word, right? We're talking about God's Word, yeah. Okay, what you got? Okay, so uh, we don't want <laughs> we don't want to add or take away from God's Word ultimately because. We're not the ones who are giving it. It's God who's giving his own word. Yeah. Now, um, this particular passage, I would say, serves as a warning to not do that. Okay. Not necessarily saying that you can lose your salvation. Um, but not what, necessarily? Uh, right, because... I would say absolutely you, not. Well, yeah, not, no. <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely okay. not. Because, like we've discussed, you can't earn your salvation so you can't lose it um and uh, as far as the um i guess i would just turn it over to you because then you would we were talking about before with this um the part of the question where um (laughs) terry is saying uh if your name wasn't um or should I say, if you were didn't have a share of the tree of life, if you had a share of the tree of life and a share in the holy city, that means that you were saved. Um, and if you weren't saved to begin with, then you wouldn't have a share. Yeah, so, so that's where I so, turn it over because that's well. The assumption the assumption that's being made in the question is um, so. When we go back to it, where it says, if anyone takes away from the word of the book. This prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life in the holy city, which is described in this book. And uh, so the, the assumption is that, well, that means that that person loses their salvation. But that's not in there. That's the assumption that's being brought to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say what this is talking about is, uh, so I would go back up. Um, you went up to, to 17, I would go up to 16. Uh no. You went up to, I went up to 18. 18. I'm going to go up to 17. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of the life without price. I warn everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord be with you all. Amen. And so uh, what John is saying here is this is a a stern warning to basically the same thing, the same equivalent of a false prophet. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you've got somebody in the Old Testament that's saying, Hey, I'm a prophet of God, and this is what he's saying— and they are a false prophet, then that person's to be killed. Um, And and they could get five prophecies true and then miss one prophecy and then eh, kill them, you know? Um, Get the beans dropped on them. Yep, drop them hot. (laughs) Yes. So, um, but what, what we're seeing here and so where I would go with this is, uh, 
Hebrews 6. Well, actually, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. So Hebrews 5, verse 11 says this, And this we have much to say. It is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For anyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of, of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works or of faith towards God and of instruction of washings or laying on of hands of resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment, and this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and they have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucified once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being crushed and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust as to overlook your work and your love that you have shown in his name and serving of the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnest that hey there you go let me put my glasses on and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience have inherited the promise so what's going on in these passages is you see the this so like the structural order is um He's rebuking the people for their lack of maturity. Then he lists the basics uh, that they should already be knowing. And then there's a warning to them about the danger of falling away from the faith. Then he states his confidence in them. And lastly, he encourages their perseverance. Um, But there are people, and going back to to Revelation, when we see um, the passage there, uh, take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city. Uh, the holy city, that's the church, you know? And so there are people that go to church. They go to the building with the believers and they go with the body of Christ that is the church. And they gather together on the Lord's day and they hear preaching and they sing songs and they worship and all of that. There are people that go to summer camps and they get this, warm gooey feeling on us, you know, one of the, the nights and they run down to the altar and they cry their hearts out and say, I'm turning my life over to the Lord, you know? Mm. And then they go on sinning and worshiping themselves. That's what Hebrews six is talking about. It's saying those that have tasted, they've seen, they've been a part of, you know, but they've rejected Christ again. So like if you rejected Christ coming and dying on the cross, he's not coming and dying again. Right. You know, if you've rejected the cross, you're done, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, 
so in, in one case, it's it's better for somebody that's never heard the gospel because they've not already rejected the only lifeline to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody that's been saturated by the gospel and they still reject it. And the way that Hebrews 6 says it is, they've been saturated by the rain, but they don't produce a crop. They produce thorns and thistles. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to be destroyed and their end is to be burned, right. you know, because you have rejected salvation. You've rejected the means of grace, which is Christ, mm-hmm. you know? And um, and so that's kind of the same vein that Revelation 22 is talking here. It's saying, you know, if you've got these people and they're adding to this revelation or they're taking away from this revelation, then um, then they're they're out, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's not saying they're losing salvation. It's saying they never truly had salvation. Yeah. You know, they're, they are producing thorns and thistles. They're going to be burned and, and destroyed because they were never truly a part of the actual body of Christ. Right. Because they have a heart of flesh, mm-hmm. even though they're trying to imitate. They're goats trying to be sheep. Right. So, uh, so that would be my, my answer to that. Um, well, I hope that y'all have had fun. I've enjoyed this. It's been fun. I I like asking questions and answering questions. And, uh, I think you did great, Andrew. I mean, thanks. You did really good today. So, um, for everybody that sent us in questions, we appreciate you. Thank you very much. Uh, one thing that I would ask that you do is, well, two things. Uh, if you enjoy this, share it with somebody. You can share it on Facebook. You can share it on socials, all the socials that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you could email it to somebody. Yeah. There's all kinds text of ways. It to somebody. You could text it to somebody. Telegram it. You could record it put it on a jump drive, and mail it to somebody. You can Morse code it to somebody. That's true. There are so many ways you can get this word out there. Um, So it doesn't have to be this specific episode. (laughs) But if we have one that you found helpful for you and you think it could help others, then get the word out there. Um, The other thing is if you leave us a review uh, on Apple Podcast, that would help us... Climb the charts. Climb the charts in (laughs) Ireland. (laughs) So... um, but the the more reviews that we have, though, um, then Apple says, hey, people are enjoying this and mm. this is beneficial. So we're going to push it out to more people. And uh, so our like I said, our goal is not just to have more listeners, but we do want the gospel to go out and we do want to reach the heart of the culture with the truth of the gospel. So the more listeners we have, the more people are hearing the gospel and the more people it's reaching with the truth of the God's word. So uh, the way that you can help us do that is comment like, um, and leave Apple, uh, podcast reviews. They, they, those are worth their weight in gold. Um, apparently. So, all right, everybody, thank you for being here. Have a wonderful Reformation day. Have a wonderful locust and honey podcast birthday Mm -hmm. and have a good Lord's day. Yeah. And we will see you next week. That we will. Mm, Bye bye. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye now.